It's Monday, November 25th, 2019, 62 days into the impeachment inquiry, and this is Impeachment Today. Good morning. I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. It has now been a month of us doing this podcast. A whole entire month. It's gone by so fast and yet has also been several lifetimes. It is a baffling warping of time, explainable only using Einstein's theory of relativity. As news moves closer and closer to the speed of light, time seems to slow down for us inside the warp bubble it creates. Okay, theoretical physics aside, today we're talking to BuzzFeed News DC editor Sarah Mims about Representative Jim Jordan, the GOP's H-bomb of an interrogator and one of Trump's biggest defenders. But before we get to all that, let's catch up on what happened over the weekend. Republicans used the impeachment hearings to give several possible reasons for why the White House froze nearly $400 million in aid to Ukraine this summer. But Trump's acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, was reportedly emailing White House staffers looking for a justification in August. Quick reminder, that's around the time the White House learned about a whistleblower's complaint and the month after Trump ordered the aid held. The Washington Post reported that the White House Counsel's Office found the messages during a records dive meant to help prepare for a likely impeachment trial in the Senate. The emails show there was a divide between the Office of Management and Budget, which Mulvaney still runs, and officials at the State Department and National Security Council over whether the freeze was even legal. OMB lawyers insisted it was, so long as it was temporary. Calling it temporary is a stretch, though. It was extended several times and was still in place in early September. The freeze was eventually lifted on September 11th, two days after congressional committees announced an investigation that would become the impeachment inquiry. House Democrats have been investigating whether that money was held up as part of an attempt to pressure Ukraine into doing political favors for Trump, including announcing corruption investigations into Joe and Hunter Biden. Meanwhile, House Intelligence Committee ranking member Devin Nunes may himself be facing an ethics investigation. Nunes spent the impeachment hearings insisting that the investigations Trump asked Rudy Giuliani to obtain could be mayhaps legit. But a lawyer for Ukrainian-American Lev Parnas told CNN that his client is ready to talk about how he helped arrange meetings between Nunes and Ukrainians, much as he did for Giuliani. Another of Parnas' lawyers said that among those Ukrainians was former Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin. Shokin's BS claim that Vice President Joe Biden got him fired for personal reasons became the basis of the conspiracy theory Giuliani helped spread. So it'd be pretty wild if it turns out Nunes was defending the president in days of hearings when he was secretly investigating the Bidens himself. Here's Nunes when he was asked about the alleged meeting on Fox News yesterday. Were you in Vienna with Shokin? Yeah, so look, Maria, uh, I really want to answer all of these questions, uh, and I promise you I absolutely will come back on the show and answer these questions. But because there is criminal activity here, we're working with the appropriate law enforcement agencies. We're going to file all this. Everyone's going to know the truth. Everybody's going to know all the facts. But I think you can understand that I can't compete by trying to debate this out with the public media when 90% of the media are totally corrupt. That wasn't really a no. ABC reported Sunday night, meanwhile, that the House Intelligence Committee is now in possession of photos, audio, and video recordings that left Parnas has handed over. Parnas was indicted in September for alleged campaign finance violations, and it's not clear what deal, if any, he's worked out with Congress for his cooperation. That was the news 
This was the noise. As you may recall from our last episode, former White House staffer Fiona Hill gave this warning in her opening statement during Thursday's hearing. This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. Well, the president did not get the memo. He dialed into Fox and Friends on Friday for an hour to repeat old conspiracy theories. They gave the server to CrowdStrike or whatever it's called, which is a company owned by a very wealthy Ukrainian. And I still want to see that server. You know, the FBI has never gotten that server. That's a big part of this whole thing. He did so, might I add, even as the Fox and Friends hosts were like, you sure about that one, chief? If it were just the president, it'd be one thing, which, oh, wow, I can't believe is really where we are right now. But Senator John N. Kennedy of Louisiana is apparently right there with him. Chris Wallace played both of those clips for Kennedy on Fox News Sunday and asked if Russia or Ukraine hacked the Democratic National Committee in 2016, which is a question to which there is only one right answer. Instead, he said this. I don't know, nor do you, nor do any of us. Uh, Miss Hill. Uh, well, I mean, let me just, let me just interrupt to say the entire intelligence community says it was Russia. That, right. But it could also be Ukraine. I'm not saying that I know one way or the other. I'm saying that Miss Hill is entitled to her opinion, but no rebuttal evidence was allowed to be offered. <sighs> OK, I'm not saying we're all boned, but we're not not boned. And now. For those of you who've been craving those sweet, sweet numbers, we have today's reading from our Nixometer. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale of zero is a normal day in a normal White House, and 10 is President Richard Nixon resigning and flying away in Marine One. This morning, we're at a 7.2. I know that's lower than Friday, but after a weekend of breathing room, things are still very wild and a bit fluid as everyone takes stock of what's changed. Even though Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff says there's no more hearings on the schedule, for now, more could be added. Also, Monday will have a big court ruling that may influence how things move forward. So let's see how this scale plays out for this week. Okay, after the break, we talked to Sarah Mims about Ohio's own Jim Jordan. Be right back with you. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking In, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in.
Open to all teams and players, the NFL's Inspire Change Initiative acknowledges the ways that systemic racism contributes to barriers to opportunity and equality and focuses on ongoing efforts on creating progress in the areas of education, economic advancement, community and police relations, and criminal justice reform. To learn more about the NFL's commitment to ensuring a more equal and just future, text NFLIC to 635-635. It takes all of us to advance social justice. Alright, it's time for this fucking guy. And today, we're talking about Jim Jordan, the Ohio congressperson who took on the role of stalwart shield for potential presidential perfidy. Joining us from D.C. to talk about who Jordan is and why he was a perfect defender for Trump during the impeachment hearings is BuzzFeed News D.C. editor Sarah Mims. Hi, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me back. Glad that you could do this. So, Jim Jordan, for our listeners out there, who is this guy and why doesn't he ever seem to be wearing a suit jacket? (laughs) I cannot explain why he never seems to be wearing a suit jacket, except that this is not new. It's always how he's been. I don't know if he's going for, like, I'm a cool, casual congressman. or (laughs) I'm a worksy congressman. Yeah, exactly. But Jim Jordan, yeah, like you said, he's from Ohio. He's a Republican. He's been in the House for 12 years. He has for a long time been just like this hard right conservative, largely focused on fiscal issues. And he's become one of Trump's biggest defenders in Congress by far. He also has, as we've seen during these hearings, sort of a reputation as an attack dog and someone who can do really well in hearings just like this. So Yeah, he's kind of in like a perfect position as far as Republicans are concerned to do this. So Jordan is a member of the House Freedom Caucus, and that caucus as a whole is pretty unified behind Trump. Was that always a natural fit for them? Because I seem to remember there being like potential for a clash. Absolutely. So Jim Jordan helped found the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus was like, it came straight out of the Tea Party. It was, we're going to cut spending, the government is bloated, blah, 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 which are things that Donald Trump, like, honestly does not give a fuck about. Zero percent. <laughs> exactly. It makes absolutely no sense that the Freedom Caucus would get behind him, except that, like, personality-wise, it actually is, like, a much clearer line between the two of them. Donald Trump is trying to fuck things up in the same way that they've been trying to fuck things up. They just care about different issues. So they've really latched on to him. And Jim Jordan, who like founded this and was originally like the first chair of the Freedom Caucus, has really leaned into that very hard. Yeah, they seem to be like at the forefront of redefining the party as a whole as Trumpism, not even Tea Partyism, as Trumpism. So Jordan, during the hearings, he complained a lot about how this was just a Democrat-run process and how it's all terrible. But I seem to recall a certain one Mr. Jim Jordan being at the forefront of the Benghazi mess after the 2012 election. Hypocrisy? Question mark? You don't say. Yeah, Jim (laughs) Jordan. During the Benghazi hearings, Jim Jordan and all of the other Republicans, many of the other Republicans who are making these same arguments about process— They were the ones telling Democrats, you cannot call your own witnesses. I mean, literally, like, line for line of this argument is what they did just a few years ago during the Benghazi hearings. And it has been hysterical watching them make the same arguments that Democrats made against them and claiming that this is somehow unfair and unprecedented. Right, especially when, unlike the Benghazi hearings, impeachment is uh, very much in the Constitution. It's kind of a real thing and a real process. During the hearings, he struck a very overly almost confident tone that Trump did nothing wrong. How do you rate his performance throughout the last two weeks? I mean, it's been confusing to watch Jim Jordan and and Devin Nunes as well 
try to make these arguments in the hearings because they don't really seem to be going anywhere. They have this tone of like, aha, gotcha. But they never really finish that thought. (laughs) Oh, that's so accurate. Holy cow. Right. But then so our colleague Brian Broderick wrote a piece. uh, I don't know if it was last week or last month because time is meaningless now. But basically explaining that, like, the point isn't to finish the argument like during the hearing on TV. It's to create these sound bites that are performing very, very well in right wing media. If you Google Jim Jordan right now, there are dozens of stories about him on Fox News, on Breitbart and all of those sites. There's a Fox News headline from Friday saying, you know, Jim Jordan slams Gordon Sondland. Like it's performing very well in that sense. And Mm. that's what Donald Trump is going to see. And that's what he cares about. And that's what the people are going to see who he is speaking to. Ah, that's so wild. Okay, we have a clip here of Jordan during the hearings. Take a listen. Maybe that's the reason their star witness, their first witness didn't bring it up, but they had to have something. So you're their closing witness because you overheard, you overheard the president talking to Ambassador Sondland. Now tell me, what on earth is his accent? Because it does not sound like Ohio. (laughs) It is nothing like Ohio. I lived in Michigan for a long time, and I don't know what that is. Yeah, you know, it's unclear to me, too. Jim Jordan is from Ohio, but a part of Ohio that borders or nearly borders Indiana. So it's not like he's from, like, the south part of Ohio. I think, honestly, I mean, I don't want to speculate about his motivations or anything. It really feels like someone who came to Congress 12 years ago and has increasingly tried to make himself seem folksy and Mm. has adopted sort of a southern midwestern hybrid (laughs) accent one of our colleagues was telling me she thinks he sounds exactly like coach taylor from friday night lights which is set in texas yes exactly exactly Uh, so uh yeah not sure okay so speaking of ohio though there is apparently some kind of scandal that jordan is involved in that i've seen a lot of tweets about on twitter especially those that spell jim with G-Y-M. Can you get into what that is? Yeah. So Jim Jordan has been a part of the Ohio State sexual abuse scandal. Uh. To be super clear, he is not accused of any sexual abuse at all. Mm -hmm. Um, What happened was he was the assistant wrestling coach at the time that the team's physician is accused of sexually abusing many former players. Mm. A number of former players have said that Jim Jordan did know and didn't do anything about it. He has denied that, but there hasn't really been any resolution there. Okay, that tracks and makes a lot of sense, so thanks for clearing that up. So going back to impeachment, though, Jordan got moved over to the Intelligence Committee just for these hearings. What's his normal gig in Congress? Yeah, so Jim Jordan is actually on the Oversight Committee and the Judiciary Committee already. So he was already on two of the committees that are involved in this, which is also kind of funny because he participated or like supported that whole thing where Republicans stormed the skiff and he was one of the guys (laughs) who could already waltz in if he wanted to. Right. Anyway, and aside, so now Jim Jordan is the only member of Congress who is on all three committees involved in impeachment. And it goes back to what I was saying before. Republicans really think that he's very good at this stuff. They like seeing him yelling at witnesses, attacking witnesses and getting those Fox News clips. So they moved him onto Intel just so he could be in the room and be on TV. And so since he's on judiciary, when this moves over to the actual articles of impeachment, we're going to be hearing a lot more from him. Oh, yes. We're going to be hearing from Jim Jordan every day for the rest of our lives, I think. What a delightful thing. Speaking of the future, though, let's jump ahead a year. So we're just after the 2020 election. 
What's Jim Jordan up to? Oh, God. I mean, (laughs) it depends on who wins the presidential election in 2020 to some extent. But I do think that, like, Jim Jordan is going to stay in Congress. He will be there on the Freedom Caucus, just causing trouble all over the place. I mean, he's still going to be on TV all the time. He's still going to be holding up bills over just like incredibly conservative policy issues. He's not going away in 2020, regardless of who wins the White House. All right, Sarah, before we let you go, it's time for the kicker. So, What do you have lined up for us today? Yeah, so this is a quote from Fiona Hill's testimony that I think just really struck a lot of people, including myself, as just like, wow, relatable. I hate to say it, but often when women show anger, it's not fully appreciated. It's often, you know, pushed onto emotional issues, uh, perhaps, or deflected um, onto um, other people. Well, I think this clip is not only relatable, but also, like, the impeachment has involved so many bureaucrats that no one has ever heard of before. And this just, like, really humanizes it. And I think let a lot of people know, like, this is a real human being in addition to, you know, a statement of facts. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for bringing us that clip and your expertise and everything that you've been doing over this impeachment saga. Thanks again for taking the time today. All right, so on Friday, we answered a couple of questions from you, the listeners, regarding what's still confusing after two weeks of hearings. And today, we're going to give you a few more bits of knowledge to help you navigate this whole shebang. First up, we've got a question about the likely trial that Trump will face in the Senate. Hi, Hayes. This is Andrea from Seattle. Thank you for all the work that you and your team have done so far. What I'm confused about is the actual trial. Do you think it's likely that Donald Trump will sit in front of Congress and the Senate and try to explain his actions? It seems like the Republicans would do anything they can to prevent that from happening because he's not really consistent on messaging and will probably perjure himself super fast. Okay, short answer, uh, a lot remains to be seen, but maybe Trump may well want to get up on the stand and defend himself in this trial. But we don't know who his defense team is yet. We don't know who will actually be giving him the advice and actually conducting this trial in the Senate. We don't have the rules yet. But if I were Trump's lawyer, I'd be saying, Mr. President, please do not do this. And Trump, for all of his wackiness, has had a very real sense of legal danger when answering questions under oath. So will he actually try this out and maybe perjure himself? TBD. Okay, next up, I got a very practical question on Twitter about the legal team and the costs for everyone in these hearings. It came from Ksenia Kaufman, who wrote, I'm very curious to learn about the situation with the lawyers for the witnesses. How much does it cost? I assume 10K or multiple 10Ks. Do witnesses have to pay out of pocket? Are they perhaps represented pro bono? Seems unlikely. Do they get lawyer support from their respective employers? In general, it would seem like a huge burden interviewing, selecting, paying, etc. I've not seen this covered before. That is a really good question, and it's pretty dang costly. So according to reports uh, leading up to the hearings themselves, there have been reports of diplomats who do not make a ton of money having to pay upwards of fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 out of pocket to cover these legal fees because so many people have gotten wrapped up into the situation. If you are a low-level bureaucrat who was CC'd on an email and are worried that you might get called in to testify, you probably want to hire a lawyer. And all those billable hours they add up. Now, the American Foreign Service Association, which is the union that represents all of America's foreign service officers, has been asking for donations from its members to help out with legal support. 
So here's hoping they manage to get all of those funds covered because this is going to be costly. Okay, lastly, we have a final question from at WanderlustLost on Twitter, who asked via DM, if the House votes to impeach, can the Senate just dismiss the charges and refuse to try it? So the answer to that is they can, but they probably won't. It takes just 51 senators to vote in favor of a dismissal of charges in a Senate impeachment trial. But everyone recognizes that if you do that before evidence is even heard, it just kind of puts a terrible veneer on the whole process. So right now, the debate among Republicans is, is the trial shorter, say two weeks, or longer? The longer the trial, the more chances there are for evidence to come out that might not be great for the president, but it does also heighten the chances of effing with the Democrats running for president in 2020, because a longer trial means that those senators who are out campaigning have to be in the trial, sitting as jurors, silent, unable to be in Iowa or New Hampshire, where the earliest votes are. Thanks as ever to you for your questions. We've got a bunch more that we're working our way through, but please continue to send them our way. What has you scratching your head and furrowing your brow? We'll answer more next Monday after the holiday. Also, if you have people, processes, or things that you'd like explained in an upcoming episode, let us know via email at impeachment at buzzfeed.com or just hit me up at Hayes Brown on Twitter. Okay, that's it for this Monday before Thanksgiving. We will be back at you tomorrow for another day and whatever the fuck that brings us. Be sure to subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or Apple Podcasts. And uh, please leave a rating and a review. We'd be very thankful. Also, tell your friends about the show as we all figure this out together. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Roxanne Gay, the host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Each week, I talk to an interesting person about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. We can't escape politics. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.